All right, guys, welcome back. Then, yes, here we are in lesson 99. We are almost to a lesson 100. Pretty exciting. I mean, there's small things in life that would be one of them. You know, we're, we're going to cover Deuteronomy 13 and 14. Now, you know, we have Drew Gibbs in the house. And, you know, Drew, one of the things that we were talking about was <laughs> Deuteronomy 13 and 14. You, you could either teach on 13 or 14. There's not a whole lot of exciting stuff in either one. No, it's about stoning people or eating clean and non-clean animals. And then it feels like it's repetition. So, but here's the deal. It's always the word and the word is always life-changing and life-giving. And so I want to talk about Deuteronomy 12.32 before we transition, because I believe 12.32 sets the tone for digging into Deuteronomy 13. Now you're like, well, I don't want to listen to today's message if there's nothing exciting. Trust me, the Holy Spirit will move. We're going to depend upon the Holy Spirit. And Deuteronomy 12.32, it says this, you must be careful to do everything I command you. Do not add anything to it or take anything away from it. You know, Kevin, when, when we're talking about it, what is it? The law. The law. So you cannot add to, Kevin, you said that with confidence. That was good. You can't add to this law. You can't take away from the law. It is what it is. And I'm, I'm just going to go there naturally right now with, with the soapbox mentality. Think about this, you guys. How many times in the church today, based on denominations, we add to it or we, we take it away? Like, oh, I, I don't really like the part where it tells me I'm supposed to go share the gospel. So you know what? Never going to talk about it. Or, oh, I don't really like the part where it says homosexuality is not of the Lord or being a drunkard is of, of the Lord. And so what they do is, is they just, no, 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 that part doesn't apply. Or here, are you ready for this one? Or divorce. No, that, that doesn't really apply to American society and culture and, and to the church. And so then what we do is, is we ignore it, we take it away or we never teach on it. I think you get the point. We cannot mess with the word of God. And this is how it transitions to Deuteronomy 13, because in scripture, it talks about beware of the temptation of these false prophets that are going to come in. These false teachers are going to come in and they're going to lure you with the words that they want to say in order for them to get to follow, uh, for you to follow them. And so what was, first of all, what is a prophet? Because I think it's the weirdest thing when you talk about false prophets and you start teaching about the, the negative side, you have to understand what's the real side. And so I love this in regards to a prophet, okay? Eugene Merrill, who used to be one of the most prominent, uh, I would say, uh, teachers and professors at Dallas Theological Seminary, his insight on Israel is absolutely incredible. And he defined a prophet as a spokesman for God who represented him before, you know, uh, others. He was the, the representative. He was the spokesman. So, Kevin, let's go to a couple of verses. Uh, first of all, as a prophet, of, as a proclaimer, Exodus 4, verse 15. Exodus 4, verse 15 and 16. This talks about a prophet being a proclaimer. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I'll help both you and him to speak and will teach you both what to do. Verse 16. He will speak to the people for you. He will be your spokesman and you will serve God. You will serve as God to him. You will be the spokesman. You'll be the deliverer. That's the role of a prophet. Now he goes one more step in Exodus 7, verse 1. Not only are you a proclaimer, but you're also just very simply a foreteller. You know, the Lord answered Moses and said, See, I've made you like God to Pharaoh. And Aaron, your brother, so this is Aaron, the, the famous high priest, he's also will be known as a prophet. So this is the role. He's going to continue to communicate as a proclaimer. He's going to communicate as a foreteller. And so this is the backdrop of what we see as, uh, as a prophet. So now as you jump into ex, uh, Deuteronomy 13, verse 1, 
It says, if a prophet, okay, and what I love is Wearsby, Warren Wearsby, remember my buddy back here who writes his commentaries. Wearsby talks about three types of temptations that we need to be aware of in Deuteronomy 13. Okay, so first of all, and you'll talk about this, you have to have a temptation from false prophets. Okay, Warren Wearsby just kind of breaks this up. And what you're going to see is, is in verse first five verses. So if a prophet or somebody who has dreams arises among you and proclaims a sign or a wonder to you, and that sign or wonder he has promised you comes about, let us follow other gods which you have not known and let us worship them. Do not listen to that prophet's words or to that dreamer. In other words, the sign and wonder could happen. He could actually prophesy that it's going to happen. But if he takes you away from that and says, no, but now let's, let's, uh, let's follow a false god, that would be a false prophet. Just because something comes to fruition doesn't mean it's of the Lord. This scripture says this, For the Lord your God is testing you whether you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. I think this happens today. I think people give dreams and visions. They release words, but then they twist it with, and it goes back to Deuteronomy 12, 32. They add to it or they begin to make the word themselves. And it happens a lot in America. And I'm just going to tell you, the lure of false prophets in America is money. They'll say something to tickle your ears, but then mm, let's bring them over to my following. Don't listen to that prophet's words in verse three or to that dreamer for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Scripture says in verse four, you must follow the Lord your God and fear him. You must fear the Lord rather than this prophet. You must keep his commands and listen to his voice and you must worship and remain faithful to him. Okay, let's kind of walk through about this whole testing thing. Kevin, can you go to 1 Peter 1, 6, and 7? 1 Peter 1, 6, and 7. It just talks about this testing mentality. You rejoice in this, though now for a short time you've had to struggle in various trials, in verse 7, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes, perishes, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of of Jesus Christ. There's going to be times, you guys, when we're going to hear things. We're going to be refined in this. We're going to be tested in this. And we have to depend upon the word of God, not on these false things. If these things are false, I promise you, they will, they'll perish. They will literally go away. Just one more mentality of understanding, like how do you go through this process? Well, you have to understand, we have to put this through a test. James 1 verse 2. James 1 verse 2, again, talking about how do you know this is of the Lord? But here's the deal. Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, verse 4. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We have to go through this season of testing. And I'm telling you, it comes through, the t- uh, it comes through teachings. It comes through false prophecy. You have to understand, am I willing to engage through this? So like, I think what happens in the American church is that these words come and we're not willing to test them. We're not willing to fight through this. And so we just accept it for what it is. Some of it is we don't, I mean, doing what we're exactly doing with the school here. We don't dig in and look at it for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we do a whole lot of that testing. But if you understand, Kevin, can you go to Matthew 7, verse 15? Matthew 7, verse 15, it just talks about this false teaching mentality. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. 
I think this is a major issue today. I think it was an issue back then. I think it's a major issue today. And now here's the deal. This is going to sound strange. I think that people, there are a lot of people out there that have good intentions to teach the word of God. And I think maybe because of their lack of knowledge, they might say something false, but I don't think their heart intent, that, that makes sense, was to lead them astray. I might say at times some things that maybe I just didn't know uh, and I need to work on, but it, there's a false prophet and the mentality is just to get them to, to go away from the truth, okay? That's why scripture says you need to be corrected. It's okay, we all can be corrected in times, but this false prophet mentality is to take you away from uh, what you know to be true. In fact, go to 2 Corinthians 11, Verse three, but I fear as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be corrupted from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. Verse four, for a person comes and preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach or you receive a different spirit, which you had not received or a different gospel, which you had not accepted. You put up with it splendidly. You guys, we have to test every single thing that comes at us in church, on the radio, in Revive School. Our job is to test the things that we're hearing and align it with the Word of God. This is called the canon. This is called the measuring rod. Everything we do must be based on this. And I I think sometimes people do things they don't even know. I mean, I remember studying the end times. But I remember studying the end times based on what somebody else's perspective and theology was. But I never went to the Word of God myself. Scripture says in 1 John, we don't need a teacher. I know this sounds weird. We only need the Holy Spirit to teach us. The Holy Spirit will reveal to us what this looks like. And that's what I love about this is that we have to understand it's going to come at us. But folks, we have to be students in, uh, of the Word of God. That Kevin, one more about the false teaching mentality. 1, 1 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. 1 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Some have deviated from these and turned aside to the fruitless discussion. Verse 7. They want to be teachers of the law, although they don't understand what they're saying or what they are insisting on. It happens all the time. And I think we have to be careful that there are denominations out there today that are, I mean, this is happening in Northern Indiana. I hear this all the time. You have this great conservative denomination, a a conservative denomination that nobody would expect anything to go extreme liberal. When When I say liberal, I mean liberal away from this. And all of a sudden they're saying, oh yeah, we're going to approve this person to do this. This person can accept this. Or hey, we're going to promote this. You guys, we have to stop. You have to put everything to the test. You have every right to go up to a pastor. You have every right to go up to a teacher. You have every right to go up to a prophet or apostle or evangelist and say, hey, can you clarify this for me? Because maybe they just didn't understand what they were saying. You could be used. We have Ray Sturdivant here at our, at our ministry. Ray constantly is keeping me in check. He's constantly keeping our ministry in check with the Word of God. Now, here's the deal. There are times that Ray, he could be like, well, Ray, let's work on this. Kyle, let's work on this. We're all in this together, but you have to keep going back to this. So if we can, Kevin, let's go back to uh, verse 5 of Deuteronomy 13, verse 5. That prophet, if there is a prophet or a dreamer, in that context, I'm not talking about today, <laughs> You must be put to death because what he's doing as scripture says, he's urged rebellion against the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the place of slavery to turn you from the way the Lord, your God has commanded you to walk. You must purge the evil from you. Man, I, this is pretty drastic. So if there's a guy, why why so extreme do you guys think? Why say put him to death? Well, I mean, I think even Jesus said it in his time. He said, be, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. It's kind of a similar, it's a similar picture. You have these guys, they're just going to start leading them astray, and that's not what God wants them to do. 
I think there's nothing more that fires up the Lord than people turning people away from him. I put you in a place. I brought you out of this place. I've given you freedom. And now who's this schmuck that's saying, come this way? You know, that, that's what's happening eight times. Eight times in Deuteronomy, you guys, this whole purge the evil from you is listed. Eight times. God doesn't like the evil within his own body. He doesn't like the evil within his own Israelites. In fact, Paul, he's quoted in the, in the New Testament. Kevin, if you'll go there. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 13. He's talking about put them to death. Get rid of them. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 13. But God judges outsiders. Put away the evil person from among yourselves. Even Paul says, if it gets so bad to that point, you guys, you have to remove them from the church. Eventually, there's going to be those people that just keep stirring the pot. How many times in cities have we seen this where there's this one person, you're like, go away, but you keep loving them, okay? You keep loving them, you keep trying to correct them. Remember in Bloomington, Indiana, there was like this witch-like person. I think I'm almost, if I'm right, right? And like we kept trying to pour into her, kept trying to pour into her. We prayed with her, we met with her, we went there with the Word of God. And finally, we're like, you're done. You're creating more of an issue within this and it's taking away the focus of who we are in the Lord. That's what false prophets do. They take away the focus of God and they make it about themselves. They make it about these false teachings, these false prophecies because sin will spread and infect uh, others. Think about this. I mean, that's what it's a whole yeast mentality, right? It just, it spreads. And in 1 Corinthians 5, Kevin, can you go back to verse 6? 1 Corinthians 5 or 6, it says this, Don't, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast permeates the whole batch of dough? Verse 7, clean out the old yeast that, that you may be a new batch. You are indeed unleavened for Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Verse 8, therefore let us observe the feast, not with old yeast or with the yeast of malice and evil, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I love what Wearsby says, you have to have surgery to remove the evilness. It's painful, but no matter how painful it is, you have to remove or rip that person out of the context or it will get worse. And so the temptation is, is that you have to be aware that you don't give in to the false prophets because it sounds good. Now, Constable, Dr. Tom Constable, I want, I'd love your opinion on this, guys. He says this, God allowed prophets, okay? He allowed prophets to utter false prophecies because you know God's in control, to test his people's love for him. What do you think about that? Well, we just look at Balaam. We saw what he did later on after he had spoke a good word, but God really had to get a hold of him to get to that point. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he ended up dying because of what he had done, what the choices the people had made because of him. You know, I just, it's kind of, it goes to the silly analogy of, of money. You know, you have real money and you have counterfeit money. Sometimes you have to understand, you have to know the real money in order to identify the false money, right? And so sometimes that false money refines you in saying, hey, what does the real money actually look like? I do believe that what happens is that in, when, in dealing with these people in Bloomington, Indiana, or dealing with these people, you know, in all these cities, it continues to refine us and who we are. In the, that's why I love in verse four, it says, you must keep his commands and listen to his voice. We have to understand what his voice is. 
We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is constantly in the New Testament speaking to us, directing us based on the word of God. He'll never contradict. He'll never add to it. He'll never remove it. He will base everything on the word of God. My sheep hear my voice. But remember, sin spreads throughout the camp if we're not careful. And here, here's super forward. You have to purge the evilness. Now you have to say, well, gosh, I can't, I can't imagine Jesus ever just kicking somebody out because, oh, their sin and that they, he, they, they, that we need to forgive them. We need to love on them. Not to the point where it brings everybody down. So just so you know, false, okay? I, I love this understanding. Constable says this, the false mentality is that you're going to lead people away from God and the truth. They receive info from the evil spirit world. There's no other way around it. They receive it because of their flesh, because of the world, or because of the evil spirit world. Think about the magicians that Moses interacted with, Okay. In Exodus 7, 11, and 22, constantly they are receiving things that actually mimic the truth. So unless you know the truth, you might fall aside. So be careful of the temptation from false prophets. All right, let's go to verse 6 if we can. Okay, now here's where it gets a little bit more personal. Okay, another kind of temptation that the Israelites had to face and were facing, and Moses said, beware, is actually from, you ready for this one? Not just prophets, but family and friends. Now it gets a little bit more personal. It says in verse 6, If your brother, the son of your mother, or your son or daughter, or the wife you embrace, or your closest buddy, closest friend secretly entices you, which neither you nor your fathers have known. In other words, you have not embraced the other gods. But all of a sudden, your brother, your mother, your son, your wife, your friend, your buddy, say, hey, let's, let's go this way. And then verse 7, any of the other gods of the peoples around you, nor near you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other, you must not yield to him or listen to him. Show him no pity and do not spare him or shield him. I love this. You know, you know what that means to me? It means don't go along with it just because you feel sorry for the guy. Oh, yeah, let's... Let's look up some horoscopes today. Maybe you do need your future. Oh, yeah, let's go and, you know, let's go to this place and experience this with the vortexes in Arizona. Because you feel pity on the guy because you just want to be there for him. Oh, I love him. I want to help him. Scripture says don't give in to any of that stuff. You know what happened to Solomon, right? Let's go to 1 Kings 11. Oh, man, I don't know. There's all kinds of scenarios. Go to 1 Kings 11, verse 1. Let's just see, Kevin, if we can find this. There's 13 verses. But Solomon's wives created a problem. Look at this. In verse 1, King Solomon loved many foreign women in addition to Pharaoh's daughter. Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidian, Hittite women. Keep going to verse 2. From the nations that the Lord had told the Israelites about. Remember, they were all told, don't intermarry. And they must not intermarry with, with you. Why? Because they will turn you away from me to their gods. And then look what happened in Solomon, verse 2. Solomon was deeply attached to these women and loved them. Verse 3. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. He had 1,000 women that he had to take care of. And look what they did. They turned his heart away from the Lord. You will find temptation from family and friends. And if you're not careful, they'll lead, they will lead you astray. All right, so now watch this. Jesus said, this is going to happen as well. 
In fact, if you go to Matthew 10, verse 21, Matthew 10, verse 21, you're going to have temptation from your own family. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will re- even rise up against their parents and have them put to death. You're going to see this constant tension as you continue to walk with the Lord. In the Old Testament, you have it with the Israelites, you know, and obviously the relationship with God. And in this context, in the New Testament, you're going to have this, this same temptation. Oh, why do you want to follow Jesus and give everything up? Oh, no, 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 no. Just come back. It's fine. You don't need to raise your support and do this full time. That's silly. Like, that's the kind of stuff that we tangibly hear. We need to love Christ. We need to love God more than our family. But our family, this sounds a little forward, sometimes tries to lure us back from our actual calling. Matthew 10, 34, I love this. This is, you ready for this? I love the word of God. We cannot stray away from this. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Verse 36, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Holy cow. I'm telling you guys, when you begin to give into your flesh and the world by following even what your family says and you stray away from what God's calling you, you're giving into the temptation that's not of the Lord. And I think we would all say that's a, this is a weird tension for all of us here. No, 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 I, no, Kevin, I, Kevin, I, I like when you are constantly guaranteed this time to this time in my house. Kevin, I don't need you to go here X, Y, and Z or Kyle, why are you gone this time and this time? It like it's constant. It's a tension, isn't it? Our family feels it. Our family says it. And I'm not saying this against our family. I'm just telling you, I get this. And there are times that when he pulls, they pull us away from our true calling, which I believe there's so many people in there that have an incredible calling from the Lord. But we like the comfortability more than the calling. Be careful. Yeah, now we went from false prophets, but be careful what our family and friends even say when you know in your heart what is to be True. And I got to tell you, this one, it's a hard one. But I'm telling you guys, uh, we have to be careful to not give in to the temptations that, that feel good, sound good, because the false prophets do it. And even at times, our family and friends. Now, let me flip it. We could be the family and friends that are maybe even getting in the way of uh, somebody else's calling. Luke 14, 26, if anybody comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I don't know which side we're on. Are we the the folks that are tempting others to stay, hey, stay comfortable? Or maybe there's family members that are asking us to stay comfortable. All I know is that God's just saying, "Be, be careful of this. Temptation from false prophets, temptation from family and friends. You guys got... You got any comments on this? Because we all deal with it, all of us. I think this is probably one of the harder ones because it's personal. Yeah, it's real. So most of us just don't talk about it, to be honest. And that's where we got to be careful with the word. Like, we still have to stay in tune with, with all of the components. And I think with time we grow in this. And so <laughs> here's the issue in verse 9 <laughs> of Deuteronomy. Oh, by the way, you must kill him. <laughs> In the Old Testament, if you had a temptation, you got to kill the person. Your hand is to be the first against him. And you're the one that's supposed to start the death. You're supposed to start the throwing. Oh, boy. And then the hands of all the people. Stone him to death in verse 10 for, turning, for trying to turn you away from the Lord your God. You didn't even necessarily turn away from the Lord, but he tried. So let's kill him. 
Holy cow. There we go again. Holy cow. <laughs> Turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I mean, in this context, you know, Aaron, if it happened again, Aaron would have died. Didn't happen. Out of the place of slavery. So in verse 11, why? Why Why being so drastic? Why should we kill him? Why do we need to go so extreme? Because all of Israel will hear and be afraid and they will no longer do anything evil like this among you. We're going to actually kill. Okay, you ready for this? We're going to kill the people, kill them, that have turned us or tried to turn us away from the Lord. Why? Scripture says so that Israel will hear and be afraid. We need to have people understand that God's serious about following him. That God's serious about aligning themselves with the word of God. Now, just to close it out because of time, there's one more temptation that you're going to see in verses 12 through 18. And you're going to get temptation. And I love what Wearsby says here from many. So forget the false prophets, the false teachers that you're hanging out with. Forget the family and friends. It's going to constantly be coming at you from everywhere. Everywhere you see, in fact, it says, if you hear it said about one of your cities, the Lord your God is giving you to live in. So even in the cities, in the environment that you're in, there are wicked men that have sprung up among you, led the inhabitants of their city astray and said, let us go worship other gods, which you have not known. Scripture continues, you are to inquire. I love this. Investigate and interrogate. I think these are key words for everything that we're going to see. When you're dealing with false stuff, inquire, investigate, and then it says, interrogate. Well, what do you mean by this? Or can you tell me a little bit more details? Or, you know, I love the CSI interrogate. Well, sit down. I want to ask you some questions. Like, I don't care, whatever it is, but do it thoroughly. And if this report turns out to be true, that these folks, these many in the cities, that this detestable thing has happened among you, It says you must strike the inhabitants of the city with the sword, completely destroy everybody in it as well as its livestock with the sword. Holy cow. Here we go again. And that's what happened even after the holy cow. People died. You have to take care of the plague. In the Old Testament, that was the mentality. You're to gather then once this happens, um, all of the spoil in the middle of the city square and completely burn up the city and all the spoil for the Lord God. I don't want anything left in this city that's not of the Lord. The city must remain a mound of ruins forever. If you're in Israel, Rich, we've done this. They call them Tel whatever, right? And these cities then are built on each other. They're built on mounds. That city must remain a mound forever. There's nothing that can be rebuilt, the scripture says. And in verse 17, nothing set apart for destruction is to remain in your hand. Achan, Achan, hello, Achan. Remember Achan? Achan was trying to hide stuff. It says in Joshua 7, trying to hide stuff. Nothing is to remain in your hand. You cannot take anything that the Lord says, get rid of so that the Lord will turn from his burning anger and grant you mercy, show you compassion and multiply you as he swore to your fathers. I want this thing to continue to grow. I don't want to destroy it. And then he says in verse 18, this will occur if you obey the Lord your God, keeping all his commands as I've given you today, doing what is right in the sight. Ah, this is awesome. Of the Lord your God. There's a lot here. God wants us to do what is right in the sight of the Lord. And so how do you do this? Simple. Inquire, investigate, and interrogate everything that comes through your lens through the Word of God. This is your lesson for today. Lesson 99. You ready for this? Because tomorrow 
is less than 100. Thanks.